Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Signs, Wonders, and Miracles. And Pastor James is going to teach us about the miracles of Jesus. So welcome to the program, Pastor James. Well, thank you again, Dorothy. I'm glad to be on the program. I'm on here for one reason and one reason only, to plant seeds that people will understand we don't have to operate in the natural but we can operate in the supernatural. That's because the God that we serve is the God of the supernatural. He, every time you see his ministry, you'll see signs, wonders, and miracles. And one of the things that I want to talk about tonight is the miracles of Jesus. And then according to what you asked me earlier, and what significance does it have with us? What spiritual laws is it teaching us? Because it's like in the natural if you climb on top of a roof and you jump off, the rule is gravity will pull you down unless there's something to do, something to change it. So same thing with the spiritual realm. The spirit realm operates according to God's rule or his laws. That's why the Bible tells us about seeking first the kingdom of God. And the reason it says that because the kingdom of God, you have a king in there. And what does the king does? He makes rules. So if you obey the rules, you walk in the newness of a new life, which is spiritual, and then you get spiritual understanding. Because without spiritual understanding, it's just dead words on a dead page. But if you have spiritual understanding, it becomes life and life more abundantly. Today we're going to start off in Matthew, the 8th chapter and the first verse. Matthew, the 8th chapter, and the first verse. Jesus, I'm going to go back a little bit further and talk about that before we get to the 8th verse. Jesus had already talked to them about uh, parables and stuff and gave understanding of, of those things because God's word hides things. It really do. And according to the scriptures, which is the law, Isaiah, the 28th chapter, and I think the 9th verse, if you want to know knowledge, this is how you get it. Precept must be upon precept. And they'll say it a second time. Then it says line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. It's still speaking in, in riddles and stuff, but what it's trying to tell you, God hides things, and he wants you to figure it out. And that it doesn't need any private interpretation. But the Bible always explains itself. It interprets itself. It needs nobody to help it. It's there. You just have to know the rules and how to put it together. And it says that he came down, came to pass after he got these, telling these people his doctrine, they were astonished. Well, he taught them as one who had authority and not as a scribe. In other words, he taught it as, he wrote it, and he really did. And everything that, that Jesus ever did was quoted out of the Bible. Everything is in the Bible. And some of the things that he quoted was not in the 66 books, but they were in the other books, like Esadrex, um, Book of Enoch. And a lot of people say, well, you ain't supposed to read those books. You're not supposed to study for them. You don't know the secret. The secret is in Daniel when he told him to close up the book until the end time. 
And that's what he was talking about. Those books were being hidden until the end time to this generation. And then this generation is the one who's learning and feeding upon the word of God, which is the seed that was planted all the way back, Genesis 3 and 15, when the, uh, Jesus was supposed to crush the serpent's head and he would bite his heel. In other words, Satan is here to fight us. Satan is a warrior, and he's good at his warfare. And his job is to destroy everything that loves the Most High God. But we are the children of the Most High God. How do we know we're his children? Because we don't want to do what's wrong. We don't want to continuously hurt somebody else. But we want to do those things that are right. And that's why we want to bring forth good fruit. We want to bring fruit that's going to be good for the kingdom and good for this, this nation and stuff. But the evil ones, they come to bring corrupt fruit. They're here to change people's minds and let them think, well, this is all about me and not about God. This is all about what I want and not about my fellow human beings. This is all I need to do is walk in the flesh. I don't have to do the things of the spiritual things because the spiritual things will make you do what is right. So as I said, Matthew, the eighth chapter in the first verse, it said, when he had came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou will, thou can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately the leper was cleansed. Now here's the thing. We read this on the natural but there is a spiritual reason for this and where we had to go back and find out what are the spiritual things so at back at the eighth verse i mean the eighth chapter in the first verse it said when he came down from the mountain you see it's not mountains it's mountain which means he came down from the glory and because of that glory will grab have people gravitate to him so here he is the man who came down from Glory, the Lord himself, the king of glory, is being uh, forth in history, and people are being drawn to him. And then it says, Behold, there came a leopard worshiping him, saying, Lord, if thou will, thou can make me clean. In other words, it is the glory, not the anointing. People are always talking about, I want to be anointed. I want to be anointed. The word anointing, see, I'm breaking down this, the seed for y'all so you can understand the word anointing means to destroy. That's all it does. It destroys. When a king is anointed king of a kingdom, he came to defend his kingdom, and the only way he defended, he got to destroy the kingdom that's trying to destroy him. Then it says, it says "If thou will, thou can make me clean." And Jesus put forth his hand. In Hebrew, the word hand is used which you've had heard if you know any Hebrew, Yuhei, Vahei. And that's uh, one of his characteristics or the name that they call him, Yahweh, or, you, or other things that similar to that. But really you need to get to the root, back to the basics. The first thing is his, the first letter, Yud. And the word Yud means hand or thought. So that's what he's talking about. If you could just think of me, this is, this is the leopard. If you just put your thought on me and you can make me clean, you can do this. And Jesus put forth his thought 
and touched him by saying, I will. See, thought can say, I will. The hand can't do nothing. But the thought, I will, be thou clean. He didn't say, you may be clean. You will be clean. He, he commanded, be thou clean. And immediately the leopard was clean. And Jesus said unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself unto the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded. See, if you notice, it's the command, it's to speak with authority. And that's what you have to do in the spiritual realm. You got to speak with not being timid, but knowing that God is and a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. So it says, for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus entered Copernicus, there came unto him a centurion uh, beseeching him and said, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. This is a spiritual thing. It was attacking his servant, and this man didn't come there for himself. He came there for his servant to be healed. He's looking for a miracle. This is what Jesus do, operates in compassion, and miracles happen. If God is thinking about you, if he is remembering you, you got favor with God, all things are possible. So he, after he said that, the seventh verse, Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. You notice it's a commandment, not will, but shall be healed. He had that much faith in that God's word, which is God's glory, would repair his servant even though he's not there. But see, a lot of people say, well, I believe it if I see it. I've got to see it so I can believe it. God is the opposite way. He says, you believe it, you'll see it. So anyway, he was talking about this, this servant that was uh, grievously tormented and that this was a spirit that was going there. There's, there's a lot of things about the spiritual realm that we're going to talk about later, how to destroy the kingdom of darkness, how to change your, your, your life to where you want to be in Christ's life, how you can change your family life by praying the prayers of faith, not just praying the prayer, but praying the prayer of faith. So he said, the ninth verse, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servants, do this, and he does that. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. He looked and said, I can't believe this. And he said unto them that follow. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. Now, what does the word faith mean? That's another word that's given. The word faith also means trust. He said, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great of trust. No, not in Israel. Well, what does Israel mean? Those that wrestle with God. Here he's talking to the people that are supposed to have trust in him that he can do all things, even though they didn't really, some of them didn't really believe that he was the Messiah. But those that did believe him, they, didn't, they had their doubts either. That's why that man said uh, when his son was sick and was throwing himself in the fire and the water, he said, I believe, Lord, but help me with my unbelief. 
The word unbelief means doubt. You can't accomplish anything with doubt. You either feed your faith or you feed your fear, one or the other. I prefer to to do the spiritual thing and feed my faith. So as he continued on, he said, the 11th verse, he said, I say unto you that many have come from the east and to the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. They shall be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, he said, if you don't believe me and you don't believe for the miracle's sake, then you won't enter into the heaven. He's trying to give us a hint. We must decrease so he can increase in our life. One of the prayers that I use, Lord, take more of me out of me and put more of you in me. I don't want to be more than you. I want you to be more than me. I want to be able to trust you and that you trust me because I believe in you. So here it is. Now, these are the Israelites. And yet still, he was telling here's a Gentile who has more faith than you do. A Gentile means a person who does not have a covenant or a contract with God. But yet still, he had more faith in the Jews' God than he did in the pagans' God. And the Jews didn't really have enough faith to believe what the word is said, even though they were brought up with miracles and signs, namely the Red Sea parting and stuff, the, uh, the uh, Moses holding up his arm, and they were winning the battle. The sun still, the moon stood still with the three days that the sun was up. Miracles, miracles, miracles. Our God is a miracle-working God. 13, and Jesus said unto the sentinel, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, believe, trust, so it will be done unto you. And his servant was healed the self-same hour. Now, let's talk about walking in the presence of the glory of God. The other, it was about three weeks ago, I was at my church in Kansas City, and, um, and, and this lady came in. She forgot to bring her son because she was so busy. She wanted him to be prayed for. He had a hearing problem. And so I said, well, if you're willing to believe and you stand proxy for your son, because as your children are under 18, they're under your authority, even in the spiritual realm. Once they pass 18, then they have to pray for themselves. They have to break curses themselves. So since this is a young man, about eight, I said, well, I'm going to pray for you and your son will get his hearing. And I laid hands and prayed for her, and I said the Hebrew word, Ephetha, which is in the Bible, which means to be open. And when I said that, it was about 12 o'clock. In that self-same hour, a young man's ears popped open, and he's hearing great now. See, the God that I, I serve is alive. He's not dead. The one that I serve has compassion on the sick. He doesn't belittle them and say, well, you're sick because you sinned. You're sick because you did these things wrong. But he is moved by compassion. And that's why we have to have compassion one for another. We got to have love one for another. And then we will see these miracles start to come to pass. So let's go to the, uh, as I said, we are talking about the miracles of Jesus. But to get the miracles of Jesus, you got to have an understanding. That's why the Bible says, with all your giddy, Give us understanding. 
it ain't good enough just to read the things and say, well, I, this is nice. I understand this little bit of it. No, you need to get the spiritual understanding, and you'll never will get it until you're born again. My time, preachers will tell you, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. But they don't tell you what born again is. Born again is that the Spirit of God enters into you, and he enters into your um, place of who you really are, your soul, and he gives you an elevation in understanding. The understanding is for spiritual understanding. It doesn't help you in the natural, but in the spiritual, it makes you be able to see things that you can't see before being in the flesh. It makes you understand things that you would not understand in the flesh. It will give you revelation knowledge of things of the future. And I don't mean who's going to win the lotto and all that. I'm talking about spiritual things that God will speak to you at night and tell you, I want you to go pray for this person, or I want you to go do something for this person. And you you don't know why, but you move by faith, trust that God has a plan, and you go ahead and do it, and you'll find out. Every time you move by the Spirit of God like that, a new understanding, people get blessed. Example, this one man, he said, Lord, I want to know if you're real or not. I mean, I believe, but I, I need to see a miracle. He said, what do you want me to do, Lord, so I can see a miracle? And the Lord spoke to him. He said, I want you to go buy a bottle of milk. Now, in the natural, there's a bottle of milk showing me a supernatural something. But he obeyed and bought the milk. And then he was sitting there with the milk, and the Lord said, I want you to take that milk and go to a certain house and gave him the address. And he's thinking, Lord, is this really you? Is I'm making this up? Am I losing my mind? But I'll do it anyway. So he got the bottle of milk, and he went over to this house, and the Lord said, put it on the doorstep, knock on the door, and then walk away. So he did what the Lord told him. And he knocked on the door, and this man opened up the door, and he saw the bottle of milk on the stairs, and he started crying. He said, honey, here our baby is hungry, and we don't have no milk. The Lord has sent a bottle of milk to feed the baby. When he heard that, he started crying because he got to see a miracle. There's no way you're going to pick out one house and find out, hey, this is the baby that needs milk. God has to intervene to move you up in the spiritual realm. So being born again has its advantages. Being born again gives you favor with God. Being born again doesn't make you like the rest of them but it gives you compassion to understand God really loves me and he loves them. Well, let's keep on going here. And the uh, 14th verse, when Jesus was come to Peter's house, he saw his wife laid and sick with a fever. He touched her hand. Remember I said thought. In other words, he spoke to her in the spirit realm and he talked to her in her thought. And he just said, be thou healed, even though you don't have it here, but you've already read it before. Be thou healed. Be thou made clean. Be thou set free. God always trying to set the captive free. Even the word about him says he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captives free. See, when you start understanding spiritual things and you start putting it in a spiritual context and understand that he hides it here. There's a little here, a little there, a little bit over this way, a little bit over that high. 
and then you put them together, and then it starts to make sense, and it doesn't contradict itself. So he said, and he touched her head, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered, ministered unto them. Now, I, I, I can give you uh, examples about me. I can't talk about somebody else. I mean, when I used to go to jail and do ministry in the jail, and like the jail people would tell me, don't tell me about somebody else. I don't hear about nobody else's jail. Tell me what God's done for you, and then I'll listen. So my kids were sick with a fever, and because what the word says that I I'm supposed to touch them and have my mind that my kids going to be healed. I touched my kids on the headache, and they instantly got healed. I have seven daughters, so. If you who they have daughters and wives, you'll understand what I'm talking about, that time of the month. And my daughters, they'd be in pain, and they'd come to me and say, Daddy, can you pray for me? And I would pray for them, and instantly they would be healed. Why? Because the word says so. If you start planting seed instead of destroy seed, the spiritual seed will start to bring forth fruit. That's why I said rightly divide the word of truth. There's many truths out here. But you've got to write, divide the right words. You've got to real, understand God is spiritual, and you have to walk in the spirit realm. So anyway, let's keep on going. And when evening had come, they brought on him many that was possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with his word. It didn't say word. Word. And healed all that was sick, that it might be fulfilled, uh, that was spoken by Elias, the prophet, saying, unto himself, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. In other words, I told you Jesus didn't quote anything except what was already written in the Old Testament. When he, and in fact, it's in there, it was, I come to you in the volumes of the book that is written of me. Everything has already been done. I'm trying to tell you that we have already passed from death unto life. Those that accept the word, those that receive the seed, those who brought forth fruit. We're just sitting back now in the heaven, the third heaven, being able to see why we did what and if we're going to be saved or not saved because of our testimony, because of our either uh, by our words will be condemned or by our words will be set free. Now, some of you. This is going over your head. You say, oh, I don't understand that. I, I don't think I need all of that. Listen, if God says that man cannot live by bread alone, that's what he means. You have to have spiritual understanding. Let's keep on going. It says, the 18th verse, it says, and now when Jesus saw the great multitude about him, he gave commandments, not uh, will you please do that? No, he is a commander. He is a king. He doesn't ask. He commands. And he gave commandments to depart unto the other side. This is very important. If you'll see this part, you'll understand the rest of what happened. And certain of the scribes said unto him, Master, I will follow thee wherever you shall go. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds have air, uh, the air has nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another disciple said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. Now let's go back to that first verse where it says, and now Jesus saw the multitude, 
and he gave commandment to depart to the other side. Very important. Keep an eye on that verse, and we're going down to the rest. And when Jesus had entered into the ship, the disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. The disciples came unto him and woke him and said, Lord, save us, we perish. Now, what did Jesus say in the 18th verse? I mean, the 18th verse, yes. He said, he said, he gave a commandment to depart and go to the other side. So if Jesus said, we're going to the other side, why get fearful? If Jesus said, I'm going to bring you out of your situation, why worry? If you worry, don't pray. If you pray, don't worry. Believe that God's going to bring it to pass, whatever he says, and his word will not come back void. What happens if I pray for myself and I don't get healed? So he's still God. It ain't going to change. God will heal you in his time, in his uh, uh, sovereignty of what he wants done. Because the Bible says in the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, there are times and seasons for everything under the sun, everything. A lot of times you might be going through something so somebody else can watch you and see if you, if you backslide or not. Some, you'd be surprised who's really judging to see, yeah, let's see if God's going to help him. Let's see if God's really with him. Is God really with her? Look at that woman. She got 10 kids and no husband. God can't love her. You don't know what God can love. All it takes is a repenting heart. All it takes is, Lord, I messed this thing up. I need you. I need you to show me the way. And as that Holy Spirit is in you, I told you, it takes you into another elevation of knowledge. And as you receive that next knowledge, you start to understand God's miracles are working in this atmosphere. That's why it's called a miracle. Because the natural, you can't do nothing. But spiritual, God can do all things for you. Then it says, you go to son got a high. And the 26th verse, he said, and he said unto them, why are you fearful? You of little faith or a little trust. In other words, he said, I see we're going to the other side. That's what he meant. He arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calmness. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obeys him? In other words, what you see there, if you go back in the book of Psalms, you'll find, and I'm not going to tell you where it is, you can look for yourself, that this sentiment was already written in the book of Psalms. I told you, Jesus didn't do nothing that was not written, already written in the book. Then it says, and when he came to the other side of the country, of the gathering, because he did say we're going over to the other side, right? Back to number one, I mean, 18th verse. Two possessed with devils came out of the tombs extremely fierce that no man passed by the way. If you notice, most times they talk about a man was in the, in the, in the uh, tomb, but there were two men in there. There were two in there. And behold, they cried. Out saying, what are we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Are thou come hither to torment us before the time? Remember, I told you there's a time and a season. We're in the time and in the season where ever since Jesus was here, we have authority over demons. We have authority over devils. We have authority over Satan. We have authority over Lucifer. These things are not above you but below you. 
we have authority. And since that time, Jesus gave us the authority. He's given us the power. If you believe him and trust him, because the devil lies. Oh, you can't get me out. You don't have enough power to get me out. Listen, all heaven is watching God's word. All heaven is waiting to perform what Jesus has said, what God has said, what the Holy Spirit has said, what the Holy Ghost has said. There's things that we don't walk in because we're ignorant of the power that we have. We're ignorant of the position that we are in Christ. And when you learn who you are and that you start not backing down from anything but rejoicing that God is in you and greater is he according to the scriptures, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Then starting uh, the 29th verse, and behold, they cried out, saying, what are we going to do with thee, Jesus, our son of God? Have you come to hit heaven to torment us before the time? Remember, torment, torment. We torment demons. Demons may torment us, but we torment them. There was a great way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. The devil besought him, saying, if thou cast us, if you cast us out, suffer us to go into the herd of swine. And Jesus said unto them, Go. And when they had came out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole whole swine of herd of swine ran down violently into a place into the sea and perished in the water. Now, the thing is, we talked about earlier about Isaiah, the 28th chapter, and the ninth verse. This is knowledge. Precept. Must be upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. You read here in Matthew, there was only there were two guys in the tomb. You read in uh, Mark and Luke, you'll find there was only one guy in the tomb. Why? Because the one guy didn't get his deliverance. One did. One was willing to believe and fall down and worship him. The other wasn't. It's just like on the cross. It was two thieves. As I say, the Bible interprets itself. You just have to know the secret. There were two thieves on the cross. One, both of them railed him. They talked bad about Jesus. And then one realized, hey, I'm getting ready to die. Maybe I better change. And he said, Lord, remember me when you're in the city of paradise. And Jesus stopped dying and said, today, because he had repented and was not talking about the Lord anymore. But he's asking, can I be with you? He said, today, you'll be in paradise with me. And so here are these two uh, on the cross. One got saved. One did not. Two in the tomb. One got the miracle and got set free. The other did not. This, and, and as they say, the, as they, you read the other two accounts, you'll find out Jesus didn't say just come out. He fought with those things. Finally, he was so tired. He said, what is your name? And that's when he said, my name is Legion. But the thing was, if you don't know what Legion means, you think it's just one demon. Legion the word legion means there are many of us, and these are different kingdoms. And because I do exorcism, I understand about the kingdom. In other words, there's the kingdom of Jezebel. There's the kingdom of Mammon. There's the kingdom of Baphomet. These are different kingdoms, but they all belong into the mighty kingdom or the dark kingdom of Satan. Now, as a president, let's say Donald Trump, Donald Trump cannot go over to Russia and control his troops. Neither can Putin come over here and control America's troops. 
So you have to defeat one kingdom at a time unless you can bind the kingdoms together, and they got to cooperate to let you do that. Bind those kingdoms together and throw out more than one. But when you got a legion of kingdoms, you talk about, oh, at least two to 6,000 different kingdoms. Because that person had what he got, didn't get it overnight. It was been working on him for a long time, even that other person. But here we have authority. And because if we read all three accounts, we understand what did this fire, what was the fight over, the demons made a deal with God, and that is if you would not uh, throw us out of the country and don't uh, uh, torture us to be under another kingdom, we'll leave if we can go into the swine or into the pigs, and he did. And once they jumped in, boy, what happened? They run down and perished in the water. And then, the 33rd, and they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything what had befallen the possessed of the devil. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. You think they should come out celebrating. Somebody had been just set free. Somebody has just been healed. You think they would come out celebrating. But what they do, and this is what the church does today. I'm telling you, I've been here long enough, 37 years of doing deliverance. They don't want this type of ministry in their church. They don't want to see people delivered. They want to see you pay your tithes. They want to see you work in the church. They want to see that everything on the natural plane be done. But when it comes to the supernatural, Oh, no, if you don't bother the devil, the devil ain't going to bother you. Well, look at here. Jesus wasn't bothering the devil, but yet and still the devil came after him to bother him. I'm trying to tell you, if they come to attack Jesus, they will come to attack you. you got to learn to fight. That's what's wrong with the, the body of Christ right now. Everybody's not fighting. Everybody's not trying to destroy the kingdom of darkness. Everybody's not doing their part. But let me tell you, the Bible says that the fearful and the unbelieving, the timid, will have their part in the lake of fire that burns forever. You can't be a weakling. You need to get strong. If you have to talk to yourself like David did, he encouraged himself in the Lord. He said, you got to tell yourself, I might feel weak, but I'm not weak. I'm strong because God's word says so. God said that he's with me until the end of the age. God said that he'll never leave me or forsake me. God's word says that he is my shepherd, and I shall not be warning. He said that he will do things for me, but I have to believe and I have to submit. But if I don't believe and submit, then we'll be like these people here. Lord, miracles happen. We don't want it. We don't want a miracle working God. We want one to come just bless our flesh and let our sins override us, and we just do what we want to do. For like when the Bible says, uh, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. But his real saying is, I don't want God in my life. I don't want a supernatural God. I want an idol. I want something that I can tell it what I want it to do instead of God telling me what to do. So remember what I said the first, on the 18th verse, it says, Jesus commanded to part to the other side. They went through the storm. They went through the wind, and they ended up on the other side. And when he got over there, miracles happened. 
So if the Lord tells you to go somewhere, trust him. If it's him, he'll provide. If it's not him, you won't make it. So just turn around and say, Lord, I missed it. I need to know what your will is. And he'll allow that to happen, and he doesn't get mad. He told Paul, Paul by the, uh, wanted to go in three different directions, and the Spirit of God wouldn't let him go. But when he went to the direction that God wanted him to go, God provided for what he needed. Why didn't God just tell him, well, I don't want you going this way and that way? That is not how this operates. This is operated on faith, and faith is no more than trust. Are you willing to believe that God will reward you if you obey him? Are you willing to believe if everything is going wrong, he's still God and he can still bring you out? Let's go to the ninth verse here because we're still talking about miracles of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. He doesn't stop the wind. He doesn't stop the, the sea and they obeyed him. He doesn't stop the demons from tormenting this guy. And if you read the rest of it, it'll say, and when they came back, they found him sitting in his right mind. In other words, the demons that had him was gone. Miracles. This is what you're supposed to be walking in. Miracles. When you walk into the church, you should have the, the glory on you and the power of the anointing to destroy yoke. When you come in, the devil should be getting scared. Instead of them scaring you, you're supposed to scare them. Let's keep on going. Ninth verse, verse. And he entered into the ship and passed over and came to his own city. And behold, there was brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Jesus, seeing their faith, their trust, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. God has remembered you. You don't see that part of it. But I'm trying to tell you something. It's hidden. You have to put the scriptures together. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sin be forgiven thee. And behold, a certain scribe said within themselves, what, this man is a blasphemer. And God knowing, or Jesus knowing their thoughts said, wherefore think you evil in your heart? Do you not understand? I'm trying to do something good, and you're trying to criticize me because I didn't say it the way you want me to say it. And that's the way some of the churches are. Well, you don't say it the way I think you should say it. You don't say in the name of Jesus. No, you just say it. You didn't say that it was in the name of Jesus Christ, or you didn't say it was in the name of Jesus Christ in Nazareth, or you didn't say Yahweh. Listen, this is all about the mind. Romans 12 says, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm speaking seeds right now. Change your thoughts. Change your heart. Receive what the word of God says. It ain't about you saying everything perfectly. But it's your belief is perfect. It's your trust is perfect. Well, if you can believe what you say to come to pass, you shall have what you say. But you got to know the scriptures. That's what I'm telling you. You put them together. And it says, and Jesus knowing the thought, wherefore you um, evil in your heart, whether it be easier to say, thou sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man. Now, where did he get the Son of Man? You have to read the other scriptures like Enoch. That's what he's called in the in the book of Enoch, the Son of Man. Jesus quoted from the book of Enoch and has power on the earth to forgive sins. Then he said unto the sick of the palsy, 
Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way, or go into thy house. And he rose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which has given such power unto men. It didn't say man. Men. Men. We're supposed to walk in the power and the newness of the Lord Jesus Christ, who redeemed us from the law of sin and death and gave us power and authority. And then it says, uh, let's go back up here real quick. Where when it says the, the Pharisees and stuff were mad at Jesus because Jesus said, Thou sins be forgiven thee. They know the scriptures. If you don't know the scriptures, you'll never understand what that means. But the scripture says nobody can forgive sin but God. Nobody can forgive sin but God. If a person says, I forgive your sins, then he is God. Or he has God operating in him. And that's why they call him a blasphemer, making yourself equal with God. He was God. He was God in the flesh. He was the son of man. He was the son of God, the most high. Yet still, their eyes was closed to the truth. And I pray that your eyes are open to the truth. I pray that your ears are open to the truth. The truth is spiritual. Not natural, spiritual. You want to change things? Spiritual. Change the way you think. Think more of the spirit realm than the natural realm. Think about what you, uh, what God would do instead of what you would do. I tell you, if anybody want to call in, uh, Dorothy, will you give them the number? And I'm willing to talk to them over the phone. Okay, the number is 646. Five nine five four seven eight four, and press one so I know you want to talk. That's a anything you want to question me about? What we're reading about the miracles of Jesus? Because I'm just reading what the word says, and then I'm giving you something that most churches won't give you: the interpretation. They will give you what they believe. Like a preacher preached not too long ago on. on the, what is that scripture's on? Oh, the uh, where Jesus went into the temple, and before then he had just walked past the fig tree, and the fig tree he cursed because there was no figs on there. Well, unless you understand what the fig tree represented, you have no clue. You thinking it means the a tree that had figs, but this tree didn't have figs because the Bible says it was not the time for that fig tree to have figs but it had leaves. Now, here's the thing. Before uh, a fig tree brings forth anything, it brings forth the fruit first and then the leaves. So that's why Jesus went there and said, you got leaves, you're supposed to have fruit. But he wasn't talking about that tree. He was talking about the nation of Israel, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Aronians, the Zedrites, and all these others. They have a form of godliness, but they don't have no power. And a lot of you going to church right now, it has a form of godliness and has no power. And yet still, you stand with them. And what did Jesus do? He cursed that fig tree. He cursed the nation of Israel. And what happened? In 70 AD, Israel ceased to be a nation. It was destroyed and did not become a nation again until the scripture says 
Can a nation come to uh, fruition overnight? Can a, a nation be made in one day? And what happened? 1948, Israel became a nation again. And they've been there ever since. Knowing the scriptures gives you power. Understanding the scriptures gives you knowledge. People perish for lack of knowledge. We need knowledge from God. All right, let's keep on going. And then it says, uh, the ninth verse, as Jesus passed forth from hence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the seat of customs, and he said unto him, follow me. He didn't say, uh, will you follow me? Would you like to be a disciple of man? No, he gave commandments, and that's what we have to do when we talk to the spirit realm. We can't doubt. We have to know that Jesus is in us, and we speak with authority and power. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus said at meat at the house, behold, the publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eat, your, why eat your master with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go, you, and learn. In other words, learn what this is. Learn what this meant, and I will give you mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. So a lot of people who walk around justifying themselves, well, Lord, you know, I fast twice a week. I give tithes uh, to the church and stuff. And I'm not like this sinner over here. See, when you start doing that, you you already judging other people. Don't judge them because you're going to be judged. Unless you're living a perfect life that you can help somebody, not to judge them, to help somebody. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I called the sinner. I came to get him to be healed. He's the one who needs a position. And if you don't need me, hey, Jesus, I'll keep on going until I find the ones that need me. Because when you need somebody, you do more for that person, especially when they do something for you. Here you've been in jail 18 years, and all of a sudden this man just got elected president and comes to your jail cell. I found out that you have been incarcerated incorrectly. I could I re- take your uh, your sentence and I destroy it and I let you out. You tell me that man who's been in jail for 18 years, and here he's getting set free would not love that man who set him free and do whatever he needed him to do. Let's keep going. The 14th verse. Then came him to the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus answered them, Because it's a spiritual understanding. Can the children of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the day will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away, and they shall fast. In other words, he said, If I'm with them, why should they fast? Why should they uh, make themselves sad? Because fasting makes you sad. But here I am with them, then they're not going to mourn. That's why it says the the bridegroom, back if you read that again, the 15th verse, can the children of the bridegroom mourn or be sad? I told you, the Bible interprets itself. And so the 16th verse, no man puts on a piece of uh, new garment on the old garment, that which he uh, puts into fields up the taking from the garment, and the rent is made worse. 
neither do men put on uh, neither do men put new wine in old bottles. Else the, the bottle busts and the wine runs out, and the Bible and the bottle perish. But them put but they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. In other words, your old way of thinking is never going to get you with Christ. A little here, a little there is not going to put you with Christ. You have to have a change of mind. God is spiritual. Jesus is spiritual. The word of God is power. The word of God is authority. The Holy Spirit watches over the word that it will come to pass. The angels operate by the word of God. When I need miracles and stuff, I use the word of God. Philippians 4 and uh, 6. You know, if you're going through a 6, read that. Philippians 4 and 6. If you need finances, my God, 4 and 19 shall supply all of your need according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, it didn't say Jesus Christ. It says by Christ Jesus. Because there's a secret about that. When you need a miracle, you need to get from the earth up to heaven. And when the miracle comes back, it comes from the heaven back to the earth. So that's why you say Jesus Christ when you're praying up. And when the miracle comes back down, it's Christ Jesus. But as I told you, there's a lot of need, need to understand how the power of God works, how the nation of God works, and how are you supposed to be operating in, in the nation. Well, let's keep on going. Let's see the ninth verse. I mean, yeah, ninth verse and... That's the 18th, uh, I mean, the ninth, ninth chapter and the 18th verse. While he spoke these things with them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is now dead. Now, you really need a miracle. Your daughter is dead. But come and lay your thoughts upon her, and she shall live. When you change your way of thinking... Can you raise the dead? The Bible says, yeah. What happens if I pray for somebody and they didn't raise from the dead? There is a time and season for everybody. People have got an assignment when they're supposed to be born. They got an assignment when they're supposed to die. They got an assignment when they're supposed to be married. They got an assignment when they're supposed to have kids. Everything has an appointed season and time. So just because you prayed for somebody and they they didn't come back, it didn't mean that you were wrong, but you have to change your thoughts. You have to see them as alive. That's what gives you the power. You have to see them as they're alive. That's why you have to go to Mark, the 11th chapter, and 22nd verse, where it says, have faith in God. If you can believe, when you speak it, you can have what you say, but it's according to the time and the season of God. So there he is. He's, he's showing his faith. He said, my daughter is now dead. But if you come and lay your hands on her, your thoughts on her, she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman, which, a woman with disease, with an issue of blood, 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. And she said unto herself, if I can touch, please, the thought is in your thought. If I can just touch his garment, I shall be whole. He didn't say maybe. She said, I shall be whole. If I touch the hem of his garment, 
Why is it so important about the human his garment? Because there's a tassel hanging off the, the priest's uh, garment. That those tassels are around there, strings that hang down. They represent the kingdom. She said in her mind, if I can touch the kingdom, I will be healed. Because there's no death in, in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. They knew that. If you make it to heaven, you will not be sad. You will be glad. So she was thinking in herself, if I could touch the heel of his jacket. So let me go ahead and tell you this. As I say, if I tell you things and don't give you an example, that ain't, that's not going to help you. But I'm going to tell you some examples. I'm up in Detroit. And as I say, you can check everything I tell you. I can check it out. This lady had scoliosis. And she walked up to me. I was praying for a lot of people. She said, will you pray for me? I can't stand in that line. I'm hurting. And I said, lady, I'm too busy to pray for you. But if you'll touch the hem of my coat, God will heal you. She did not hold back. She didn't ask questions. She touched the hem of my jacket. They heard the bones crack, and she jumped straight up and came down running. Jesus Christ just healed me. Jesus just healed me. She's running around the church. Her mother got up and running around. The church is running around. Why? Because Jesus changed her life. Jesus healed her body. It wasn't me, but I knew the scriptures. If she would touch the hem of my jacket, for I have the anointing upon me, and the power is within Jesus, is in me, then God will answer that prayer. It wasn't me answering that prayer. It was him. And she gave glory to the right church. Jesus just healed me. I talked to her recently. She had gone back to school. She done got her college degree, and she's a lawyer up in Detroit. Her name is Raven. So if you ever get a chance to talk to the uh, uh, attorney up there in Detroit, Michigan, her name is Raven, and she was the one healed from scoliosis. But let's keep on going here. You know, I love the Word of God. That's why I teach so much from it. Because as I tell people, if you believe, you can receive. If you walk in this, you will understand it, and knowledge, you will not perish with the rest of them. So then here, the 21st thing again. Now, look what he, he said. She said within herself, David and her encouraged himself in the Lord. We got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Who is the Lord? The Word. Who is the Word? God is. What is the Word says? Alice, Beth, Gimel, Dalit, Hey. That's the five Hebrew letters. Maybe next week I'll explain to you. It is the Word of God. The five, those are just five out of 22 letters. If you want to look it up so you can be ready for next week about signs and wonders and miracles, it is Psalms 119. Psalms 119 is the Hebrew alphabet in the King James Version, the old King James, King James Version, which is the best I've ever read. I mean, I read many interpretations and stuff. The old King James is still the best. All right. So then it said 22nd. And Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good, be of good comfort and cheer. Thy faith, thy trust has made thy whole. What trust? If I could touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Not will, shall be made whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus, and then you had to go back and read the other accounts. I keep trying to tell you, you cannot take one account and make a doctrine out of it. You've got to go back and read all of the accounts. And where it's at, if it's in Mark, 
or Luke, wherever it is, you've got to read all three or all two of the accounts or all three of the accounts. And then you get the true picture. You get the truth. And the truth will make you free. All right. 23rd, and when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minister and the people making noise, he said unto them, your place for the maid is not dead, but sleep. And they laughed him to scorn. Can you imagine when you, you laugh at God and not knowing he is God? And then you get to heaven and got to go to the judgment seat, and he'll bring you back to your remembrance. You remember when you laughed at me? You know when you talked about me? You know when you said, oh, there is no God? I would not want to be that person on the other end of those words. The way I got into the ministry, the Lord came and made a visit to me. My field was in the psychiatry at that time. And as he told me he spoke to God, I get some stories in from living and crazy. But here he is talking to me, and he didn't say, James, I love you. I miss you. I want you to work with me. He said, you said you're going to be my servant. You haven't done it. He had me so bad. I said, Lord, you ain't got to hurt me. I'll preach. No, nothing about no preaching. But it changed my life. A word from God can change your situation. A word from God can change your day-to-day living. A word from God can change any situation you're going through. But you've got to believe it is. It is a word from God. And trust that God's going to bring it to pass. Then it says, on the 25th verse, he said, but when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by her hand. And you notice his hand, and hand means thought, thought. I teach my people all the time. That's why we see signs and wonders working in our church all the time. There is not a Sunday yet that we go to church that we don't see signs and wonders and miracles happening. But I teach them about the Hebrew words and what does it really mean and the message in the word. So he took her by the hand. This is a dead person. She has no faith. But her father does. He believes that God can raise him from the dead. And the thing went abroad in all the land because the maid had arose from the dead. And when Jesus departed him, two blind men following him, saying, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. They didn't say, Lord, heal us. They said, have mercy on us. And they called him by his messianic name, the son of David. Now, what do I mean by the messianic name? And what does it mean by the son of David? The word David is what we're looking at. It means of the beloved. They recognized that Jesus was from the father himself, the one who loves us, the one who accepts us into his son, into the kingdom of God, translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. Now, I will tell you a little bit about heaven. When you get to heaven, this is the first thing that's going to happen. You're going to meet the Holy Ghost. You will not see him, but you will hear him. And the thing is, the uh, words that are being said, you're accepted in the beloved. You're accepted in the beloved. And I'm going to tell you, a true believer, you will break down in tears to realize how much he loved us to accept us in the blood and redeem us by his blood, by his blood, redeemed us from the law of sin and death. I mean, I cried like a baby trying to tell God how bad I've been and all the sins I did. But he, the Holy Spirit kept telling me, the Holy Ghost kept telling me, 
You're accepted in the beloved. So that's why it's so important why he called him. Uh, Thou son of David, of the beloved, have mercy on us. And when he had came into the house, 28th verse, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe you that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your trust, be it unto you. If you believe I can do it, and you believe that you'll be able to see, receive it. Then it says, But they that would... We started at the uh, 30th verse. And their eyes was open, and Jesus straightway charged them, saying, See that no man knows it. Because the reason is he didn't want his fame to keep going out because, listen, when people find that the, the Spirit of God is operating in you and healing miracles and stuff, people come after you. Can you praise for me? Can you get a miracle for me? They don't believe in Jesus and God doing it. They believe that you're doing it. No. That's why you have to set them straight and let them know. It's Jesus. Oh, yeah, I believe that. I believe in Jesus. No, no. You're saying one thing, but your heart is believing another. You've got to believe, believe, trust that God is able to do this, that Jesus is able to do this. And then, as I said, he then touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, your trust, be it unto you. And their eyes was open, and Jesus stayed where he charged them. Like I was telling you, a lot of times people do exorcism and stuff. They don't tell everybody. I keep telling everybody what I do because of one reason. I want to see people help. And you can't beat the price. I charge nothing. Now, how can you complain about nothing? You ain't got to pay nothing. And, I mean, I work with people four or five hours or days, a month, a week, whatever it takes. Why ain't they instantly healed? I'm not God. My name is James. All right? Just keep on going. But 31, it says, but they, when they were departed, better brought his fame in all the country. And they went out, behold, they brought unto him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil cast out, the dumb spoke and the multitude uh, marveled, saying, it has never been seen in Israel. It has not happened like that. We don't see these miracles in our church. Why aren't these miracles happening in our church? Because your pastors or your leaders are not believing. They believe they have, as I told you earlier, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. So anyway, when uh, to give you another example, I was up in a place called Paul Paul, Michigan. Most people don't know where it is. And a young man's name is Zach. His mother is uh, his mother is a, an evangelist up there. Anyway, they asked me to come because he got a spirit of deaf and dumb. He couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. So to make a long story short, I told her, I said, uh, do you believe what I say, that God can heal it well? I, I, I'll believe. She, had, she believed, but she had some doubt. But to make a long story short, I stuck my hand in his ear and I prayed for him and nothing happened. Now, most people will quit then. Well, God, it's not much of an idea. It's time to be here. Oh, they ain't got enough faith. They want to give everything except what's supposed to be. Give, don't quit. Get back and pray again. That little boy grabbed my hand. He was 16 years old. Grabbed my hand, stuck it in his ear again. And I said, "Ephraim," and his ears popped up, and he said, "I can hear." 
I can hear God's word again. Then he said, I can speak. I can speak again. And he gave God the praise. The miracles are still here on the earth, just like there is no gold ever left on earth. All the money is still here. It's, you have to figure out how to get to your part of it. The same thing with miracles. You got to learn how to change your thought life to think more of the spiritual realm. What if I don't get it? Remember, you're not God. He is. All right. Let's keep on going. Uh, and this will happen to you. Yeah, when miracles happen, oh, they'll 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 call you. Oh, yeah, you you doing that by Satan? You 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 doing that by Beelzebub? You're nothing but a devil worshiper. That's why these miracles are happening. These are false miracles. Well, you can go back and check the people that I prayed for. They're still here today. Myself, I was with a, a man named Ted Shellsworth at a church service, and he looked down at me, and he said, you, I see Jesus killing your knees. He didn't even know me. He said, come up on the platform. Started up on that platform, and my knees still hurt me. Once I got up there, he did not lay hands on me. He did not pray for me. He said, what he said earlier, I see Jesus healing you. See, you have to pay attention to what was said before. I see Jesus healing you. I came up on that platform, me still hurting. He said, raise your leg up, put it down, raise your leg up like you're in the military, put it down. He said, take off. I took off running. That was seven years ago, and my knees ain't bothered me since. And I still got the pictures to prove my knee was bone on bone. They wanted to do surgery or give me cortisone shots. Why? Because the man of God believed what he saw. He saw Jesus healing me. And that's what you got to believe. See what Jesus is doing and believe it. All right. Let's keep on going. The uh, 34th verse. It says, now the Pharisees said, he cast out devils through the prince of the devil. And Jesus went about the city and village teaching in their synagogue, preaching in the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Did you notice there's a difference between sickness and disease? And it said, first thing he did was teach. A lot of churches are not teaching. They want to preach. We need to be taught. We need to know the truth. For the truth will make you free. When you learn the truth, you'll walk in a newness of life. You'll walk in a new mind. The battlefield, of course, Joyce Meyer said, the battlefield is in the mind. It is. You've got to overcome the thoughts that you have when they're wrong thinking. You've got to overcome the things that you've been taught when they're wrong teaching. But I, I can believe this, but you ain't seen no miracles. You ain't seen no signs. You ain't seen nothing to make you, hmm, I wonder, how, how did God do that? That's what we're supposed to be here marveling and worshiping and learning about the kingdom of God, that God wants to heal the sick. He wants to raise the dead. He wants to clear every disease among the people. Number 36, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with what? Compassion. Compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray you, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. In other words, God's trying to tell us something. Not everybody's going to be saved. I don't care if you go to church 
doesn't mean you're going to be saved. The only way you get saved is if you understand the message. The message is here. Yes, it is. But if you understand the message and you start moving into the spiritual realm, then you'll start seeing how the book of Proverbs is a help, how the book of uh, Ecclesiastes can help you, how the book of Psalms can help you. Everything is that you need to know is in those 66 books. Yes, there are other books, but the 66 books is enough to get you saved. It's enough to move you into the spiritual realm. And then after that, you get hunger and thirst after more. You want more. The more you see, the more you want. So why settle for less when you can have more? Uh, Dorothy, do you have any other questions or anything? Anything come across your mind? Not off the top of my head. I was thinking about earlier in the lesson, you know, when it's a great story about faith when Paul was being threatened with death and all his friends were telling him, you can't go to Rome because, you know, they're going to kill you. And I think, I believe there was a court, you know, thing before mm-hmm. he went to Rome and father just told him that he was going to Rome. So he knew he wasn't going to be put to death mm-hmm. where he was. He just, because he was told he was going to Rome. And I think father works like that in our lives sometimes. Mm-hmm. One of the things about, you know, people that die for the faith is called mortars and mortars have more reward in heaven that they're willing to die for their faith. And Paul was ready to die for his faith, but he knew that his death was not supposed to be there, but in Rome. Even though the prophet wrapped up his his clothes and stuff, this man will be in chains and taken to Rome. Yes. He said, don't go. He said, this is what I'm, I'm here for. My job is to be mortared for the price of being a disciple of Christ. If you notice, Jesus had 12 disciples, and out of the 12, uh, one killed himself, one lived to be over 100, which was John, and the other 10, which is another for wholeness, they were all mortared. So you must be willing. You ain't, all, ain't got to die for Christ, but everybody got to be willing to die for Christ if need be. So does that answer that question? Now, like even when who was it who went on the ship? And uh, uh, that was Paul that went on was on the ship. Okay, and he, I was he going outside the will of God at that point, or um, no, he was perfectly in the will of God. And what happened was that's when the uh, storm came, and he told him, he said, "Listen, there's a storm coming, and everybody, this, this ship's going to be destroyed." But if everybody just stayed together, we'll all survive. When the storm came, yep. they destroyed the ship. They ended up on the island. Everybody survived. And then Paul was uh, getting some wood for the uh, fire, and a viper reached up and bit him. And he looked at it, shook it off, and threw it into the fire. And the people started worshiping him as a god. But the scripture says, Jesus has said uh, that, uh, if anything dead, if you drink anything deadly, it will not hurt you. Scorpions and stuff cannot bother you. 
life is so in other words, like some of these churches they want to go out and play with snakes and stuff. I'm proving how much faith I haven't got. That is crazy. God said you don't put him to the test. But if a snake bites you, you ain't got to die of fear. I'm gonna die because the snake bit me. Have faith in God. That God can change your bloodline, even though there's poison in it, and the blood will come on out. The poison will come on out. But you've got to believe. Got to believe. All right. Well, let's keep on going here on the uh, Matthew, the 10th chapter now, in the first verse. Is there anybody out there that want to ask any questions? Let's say we gave you the number. There's no one in the queue. There's no one in the queue, so guess they have no questions. It's either one of the two things. I'm a bad teacher and they ain't learning anything, or a good teacher and they don't want to ask no questions. I hope it's (laughs) that I'm a good teacher. All right, let's go to the 10th chapter and the first verse. Jesus is still doing miracles. Everything we read is miracles. Signs and wonders, miracles. He was called by a messianic name, and that was of the beloved. Jesus performed miracles. People rose from the dead. Blind eyes were opened. Deaf ears were opened. The deaf, the dumb spoke, and the people marveled at all these things. And then you have other people, which I told you, when he cursed that fig tree, he was talking about the the way the religion was set up at that time with the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and stuff. And that's why they were destroyed, because they didn't recognize the time of their visitation. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is sending forth the word right now. The seed is being planted. Accept the seed and change your thoughts. Accept the seed and be a person of compassion. Be a lover of people and want to help. And watch what God will do to you. Anyway, the 10th chapter in the first verse. And when he had called unto him, his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits. To what? Cast them out. And to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. You see, we got back there again. Sickness and disease are two different things. Sickness and disease are cast out. They can be destroyed by the word of God. The Lord remembers you and you have favor with God. Now, the uh, second verse says, now the names of these 12 apostles, you notice he called them disciples at first, and the disciples mean a learner. That's what it means. The word apostle means sent one. I, I hear all these people running around, I'm apostle this, I'm apostle that, I am, uh, what do they call it, uh, most high, most high uh, apostle and stuff. Listen, there is no such thing as the most high apostle. There's only one type of apostle. You're either sent by God or you're not sent by God. You're either a church apostle or you're God's apostle. They don't put you in charge of nobody. Paul said, I'm the least of all things. But yet still, he wrote more in the Bible than the rest of the apostles did. So apostle means sent one. Let me give you the uh, the, uh, qualifications of an apostle. First of all, you have had to see the risen Christ. You had to see Jesus. Yes, Jesus was killed. Jesus went to heaven. Jesus is in heaven now, but he will appear to you. 
You hear me? If you're called to be an apostle, he will appear to you, and he will give you an assignment. My assignment is to plant seed. How did he give it to me? He called me to himself. I have seen the risen Christ. He told me to bite of this great, big, gigantic grape, and the color of that grape was, I can't even describe it. It's living color, living color. He told me to bite that grape, and the grape was so big, all I could get was a little skin in my mouth. He said, chew it up. See, God does things through hidden messages. But if you're willing to uh, seek it out, if you're willing to stay with it, he'll explain it to you. So I ate the, the skin. He said, now spit it out, and when I did, it instantly became seed. Miracle. Miracle. And he said, that is your job, to go plant seed. And before I could say, Lord, I don't want to go back to earth. I want to stay here. He sent me down this tunnel. That tunnel is real. That tunnel has light in it. And it also is according to how you relate to God, that God relates to you. I saw the Father as a big, gigantic, tall being. Others have seen him as different things. But God is relating to you, getting to the part to where you can comprehend him and realize he's God and you're not. So anyway, in the name of the 12 apostles, the first was Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Aphia and Liban, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas of Card, who also betrayed him. In other words, now the reason I read those names, he said, what is important to those names? All those names mean something. You have to look up the Hebrew words for what they mean. Also, you notice that uh, the 12 was brought in as an assignment. In other words, their job was to go have power against unclean spirits and to cast them out. If you go back and read the book of Mark, the last chapter of that, it's a commandment of God for us to cast demons. For all those who say, oh, I'm scared of demons, you're on your way to hell. That's not the right thing to say. You supposed to have compassion. I have compassion for the people that you're not praying for. I have compassion for those that are suffering from sickness. I have compassion for those that are suffering from disease because you won't do your part. But my pastor said, listen, what does the word say? Is your pastor above the word? No. You need to do what the word says. Then it says, uh, it even tells you about uh, Judas, a card, who also betrayed him. In other words, when Jesus picked his 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, he knew one of them was betrayed him. He knew one was a devil. But he tried to, uh, according to the scriptures, he wants to try to get everyone saved, even though he knows everybody's not going to be saved. Then it says, the 12, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, said, go into the way of, go not into the ways of the Gentiles. Don't go the who does not have a covenant with our God. Or in any city of the Samaritans, any of you not. Samaritans, they believed in God, but they believed in a certain way of God. In other words, 
they believe that you should worship upon this place, and the Jews believe they should worship over here. And they asked the question, well, which one do we need to decide worship in? He said, those that worship me, worship me in spirit. And the word spirit means understanding. Remember when I told you you're born again? It means your understanding gets changed. Those that worship me, worship me in spirit and in truth. I told you there's many truths out here, but you've got to get to the kernel. You've got to get to the inner part of that truth, and you have to understand how to put those truths together. Then he said, but go rather into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Go look for the lost. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here in your thoughts right now. Think about the kingdom. Think about the kingdom of heaven. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you receive, freely give. Neither provide gold, neither silver, nor brass in your purse, nor script in your journey. Neither two coats, neither shoes, nor nor uh, yet stay. For a workman is worthy of his meat. And to whatever city or town that you shall enter, inquire also who is worthy, and there shall and there abide till you go. And when you come into a house, salute it. In other words, bless it. Say the word shalom. Bless your own home when you go home. When you say shalom, you're losing a tenfold blessing in that house. It brings in prosperity. It brings in peace. It brings in love. And you're saying hello. You're saying goodbye in love. Everything operates by love and compassion. And it says the 12th verse, it says, and when you come into the house saluted, remember, I want you to praise God and by blessing that home. And if the house is worthy, let your peace, that's one of the words for shalom, come upon it. But if not worthy, let your peace, shalom, return to you. In other words, you don't bless the people, you don't bless the home, and they have, the home is not blessing you, you let it go. When they said the uh, labor is worthy of his hire, God will take care of you. I'm trying to take, I'm a living witness. I've had places I went to and they didn't have no money, no way of getting any money, and he'll send a stranger by to give me money. He'll get, get somebody I don't know nothing about, give me a check. Somebody will put money in my pocket. He takes care of everything I need. According to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Remember I told you when it says Christ Jesus, it means the heaven is sending you the answer. Your prayers have touched the Lord, and the Lord remembered you like he did Noah. He remembered Noah. He remembered you and all the animals. He remembered you. And when he remembers, favor, 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 favor comes to you. So let's keep on going. The 13th, I mean, 14. And whoever shall receive you, and whoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. For verily I say unto you, it will be more tolerable for the Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. I was preaching at a church, and uh, their their thing was they wanted to uh, have homosexuals as pastor in the church. My thing is, if you repent from that, just like a, a whoremonger or anybody else, if you repent from your sins, you can do that. But if you don't repent, 
You cannot. I told them that stuff like putting a pedophile over my children to watch them, and they haven't repented. So they told me, well, you need to go pray about that. I said, this is one thing I ain't got to pray about because I know the word. I said, I'm going to go out here and shake the dust off my feet. This church was open for over 20-some years. The church was growing. I went in there, I shook the dust off my feet. Within a month's time, that church was closed. And 20 years later, that church is still closed. Why? Because the word of God is true. Let every man, every every devil be alive. Let God's word be true. As I tell anybody, if you're living in sin, repent. Oh, you're just picking on on these and those. No, I'm picking on everybody who's not living right. Live what the kingdom says. Live truth. Live right. Do it the way God says, or you're on your way to hell. Okay? That's, just, that's the bottom line. And it says, you got to find that up. The, uh, let's go to the, let's go to the 16th verse, 10 and 16. It says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of the wolves. But you, but there, therefore be you wise as a serpent and gentle as doves. In other words, the world don't like us. You saying the truth, but they don't want to hear it. You cannot go around having tattoos on your body and think you're going to be blessed when the Bible says you do not put tattoos on your body. That's Leviticus. They say, well, that's the Old Testament. Jesus quoted from the Old Testament all the time. So if Jesus quotes from the Old Testament, why you say it's not still relevant? Jesus never wrote anything new or said anything new that did not come out of the Old Testament. The only thing that he did differently, he said, I'm going to change the rules. And the rules are the ceremonial rules. In other words, you don't have to kill a lamb. You ain't got to kill a dove. You ain't got to have some blood sacrifice because Jesus became our blood sacrifice. He is the one who redeemed us, not ourselves. He redeemed us. But he did not say, cast away the Ten Commandments. In other words, you don't have to love God no more. Oh, yes, you do. The Bible says you got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, I can live uh, an indecent life. I can commit adultery. No, the Bible says thou shalt not commit adultery. I can't throw away that. Well, uh, which one can I get rid of? None of them. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not be a murderer. You shall not steal. You shall not covet your neighbor's, uh, anything that your neighbor has. The Ten Commandments are still in effect. The only thing that was taken away, the ceremonial law, killing the lamb, putting the blood on the on the blood post and stuff. That was taken away with, but Jesus replaced those animals. His sacrifice was the only sacrifice that God the Father accepted, and Jesus paid a terrible price for it. But why did he do it? Because he loved us. He loved us. So in other words, he said, I'm going to send you forth and the people that don't like you. But during this time you go in there, be as wise, be smart as a serpent, as harmless as a dove. You ain't got to fight for people to be saved. You ain't got to hit them upside the head for somebody to get the message. But if you were willing to teach and show what the word says and how the word will make you free, then they may listen, but they ain't all. Everybody's not going to listen to you. Everybody's not going to love you. So don't get upset when people talk about you, they lie about you, they make up things about you and stuff. 
They're doing their job because they belong to Satan. Satan is their father. Yahweh's is ours. Jesus is what he's bringing us forth back to the Father through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Ghost. It says, 18, and you shall be brought forth to governors and kings for my sake and testimony against them and the Gentiles, those without a, a covenant with God. And when they deliver you up, take no thought of them how, uh, how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given to you in the same hour what you shall speak. For it is, it is not you that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaks in you. The under, well, with Hebrew words, it can be 10 different words. And this word here is saying that God will give you the understanding words to say. You ain't got to figure it out. God's already have it ready for you, and it's going to be coming from the Father. Then it says 21, and the brother shall deliver you, let's see, and the brother shall deliver you up to the brothers, up the brothers to death, and the father of the children, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. What he's quoting here is the book of uh, Malachi, about the fourth chapter. He said that people are going to turn against each other, fathers against sons, sons against daughters, mothers against daughter-in-law. All these things shall come to pass. Why? Because they don't have natural love. These people are lovers of themselves. They want to do things that's going to please self instead of that's pleasing God. But don't worry, everybody's family is not going to turn against you. Everybody's family, the father and the mother, is not going to turn against each other because there's going to be love that goes forth. Supernatural love will change you. It's the other that will not. The false or superficial love. True love loves people rather than love themselves. False love loves themselves rather than love people. 22nd, and it shall be... And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. Even though they talk about you, they kick you, your name out as bad and everything, just hold on. God said if you can hold on to the end, you shall be saved. Don't try to defend yourself. Let the word of God defend you. And if they don't want to hear it, don't try to force it on them. They're the ones who's got to make that decision. The 23rd verse, it said, but when you're prosecuted, persecuted in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not go on over the city of Israel till the Son of Man, coming back from that scripture from uh, Enoch, the Son of Man cometh. The disciple is not above his master nor his servant above his Lord. It's enough for the disciple to be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, which means the prince of the devils, and he's just one of the princes. There's a whole bunch of them out there. How much more shall they call them of the household? In other words, if they call Jesus got the devil in him, they're going to call you. They're going to say you got the devil in you. If they say that Jesus' words doesn't work, they're going to say that the word that comes from Jesus through you is not going to work. Understand, everybody don't love you. Everybody is not praying for you for a good thing. In other words, so be careful about who you ask to pray for you. You might be asking a witch or a warlock because they're in the church. And here you think they're going to pray something good and they're praying something bad on you. They're cursing you instead of blessing you. All right. 24. The disciple is not above his master and his servant. Let's keep on going down here. 
the 26 verses. It says, them not, therefore, that is, there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be made known. Let me give you all that. There is a, uh, I had a wife that died, and that was one of the scriptures she used to use if she lost anything. So I started using it, and I was teaching others to use it. In other words, there is nothing that's hid that's hid from the Lord. If y'all get that into your mind right now, you know, I'm told you, it's all about the thought. There is nothing that's hid that's hid from the Lord. If you lose anything, unless it's stolen, you'll find it. I had a man lost his wallet, and he said that, and on the third day he, after he said it, he said it, he had lost his wallet for three days. On the third day, I taught him that prayer. It wasn't even an hour later he found his wallet. A lady lost her car keys at a, uh, a sporting event. They had turned out the lights. She didn't know where her keys were. She couldn't get home. She called me. I said, say this prayer. She said the prayer, walked out on the field where the, the lights were out and stepped on her keys. I'm trying to tell you, this is a scripture that works. There is nothing that's hid that's hid from the Lord. I just changed the words a little bit. But as I say, you ain't got to say perfect. Just have to say it and believe that God is. It says, the 27, it says, I will tell you what I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach it upon the housetop. Fear not them which kill the body, but not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, the soul part, when you're born again, that's the one that gets knowledge. The soul part, the real you, is the one who gets knowledge. You get it by the Spirit of God. You get renewed in your spirit to get new thought, new way of thinking. But people are going to talk about you, and they'll try to even put doubt in your mind. But you remember, remember this. They can only kill your body. But God can kill your body and soul and put it in hell. Now, let's think about what God's mercy and compassion is. What does he really think about us? 29. Are two sparrows sold for a falling, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? But the very hairs on your head are numbered. I don't know about y'all. If you ever see me, I'm bald. But God has the number of my hair, and I'm going to get it back one day. Fear you not, therefore, for you are more valuable than sparrows. And whoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him I will confess before my Father, which is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, him I will deny before my Father, which is in heaven. What what does it mean that? It doesn't mean, oh, I don't believe in Jesus and stuff. It means you don't believe what God's word says. If God says, heal the sick, raise the dead, your your job is to get out and do it. What happens if it don't work and everybody makes fun of me? That's going to make fun of you. You do what God told you to do, and you shall be rewarded. But if you don't confess, you know, the word before men, God is not going to confess your name, Jesus, before his Father, which is in heaven. And if you don't go to heaven, where are you going? To hell. Okay? Let's look at 33. It said, whoever shall deny me before men, him I will deny also before my Father, which is in heaven. Think not that I have come to send peace upon the earth. I not to send peace, but a sword. I come to start war between people. 
either you're going to be with me or against me. That's the bottom line. Either you're with God or you're not with God. There's no middle ground. And it says, 35, and for I have come to set a man at violence against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than he loves me is not worthy of me. He loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross, and the word cross means life burden. You don't have problems every day. Just be ready. Have the word so you can live. And follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses it for my sake shall find it. He that receives you receives me, and he that receives me not receives him not, does not receive the one who sent me. But he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet reward, and he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man reward. And whoever shall drink, uh, give a drink to one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of the disciples. Verily I say that you shall not nowise lose your reward. Now the, the key word here is name. Name means authority. You did this in the authority of the prophet. You did this in the authority of a righteous man. You did it because you felt compassion in the authority that God's love is in you. You're showing that love, and God will bless you. You will receive rewards openly. I'm telling you, the God that I serve is not just to reward you behind the scenes, but he'll reward you in front of everybody else, and they'll say, why is he so blessed? Why is she so blessed? Why? because they believed and understood the message. God had a fourfold ministry for his son. He came teaching, preaching, healing, and prophesying. And he, Jesus said, come and follow me. In other words, he ain't changed his way of doing things. It's still teaching, preaching, healing, and prophecy. Now, if y'all are interested in more of this teaching, I wish y'all would call me in and ask questions. Because I don't know if you're hearing or learning anything, and I just, I want, even if it's just one person, I want to know that they're being blessed. So this is the time. I'll be here every other Wednesday teaching the scriptures. Right now I'm in Florida, and I just got through coming from Atlanta, and I was up there, and this man came up and said, I'll show you how, how rampant witchcraft is. This man came up to me, and he said, I'm dating a witch. And I said, well, you know that's wrong. He said, yeah. I said, okay, you're going to have to leave her alone. He said, I understand. I said, well, let me break the curse over you. Because dating a witch brings curses. When I did that, he screamed like a girl. And, I mean, he's a big, robust man. He screamed like a girl, and tears were coming out of him, and the demons were tormenting him because they didn't want to let him go because he dated a witch. She done put this curse on him. And there are male witches, too. They call them uh, warlocks. Sometimes they call them just male witches. But they're able to put curses on people. And the reason you receive the curses is because you have not did what the Word says by putting on the harm, whole armor of God every day. Not some days, not when you feel like every day you've got to put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to discern. And that means to judge. Is this of God or is this not of God? Is this something I should look into or should this something I should run away from? 
like the Bible says, three, youthful fornication. Well, God knows my body, and I got to have a woman. I got to have a man. Listen, when they give you AIDS or something like that, you can say, I wish I hadn't. They put these different diseases in you. I wish I hadn't did this. Why? Because the witchcraft is in them. The witchcraft is now in you. Now, you're up there crying out to God to heal you, but when he told you in the word, don't do these things, you didn't obey. And obedience is better than sacrifice and all burnt offerings. Obey the word of God. Obey what God taught us. And watch what a prosperous life you'll have. The devil will attack you. Is there any way of getting around the devil's attack? Yes, there is. And there's only, only I've seen it in there only one time, and his name was Jabez. Now, he asked God, and he's thinking about what did he say? He said, Jabez cried out to God of Israel and said, if you would bless me and then enlarge my territory, and let your hands, remember I told you what hand means, thought, be with me and keep me from harm so I will be free from pain. Now, it was his only prayer. That's, and you can only find it once in the Bible. That was his prayer. And then the answer was, and God granted his request. Man, I wish God would do that for me. Well, I have no pain in my body. I don't have no problem. But what is your reward in heaven? That's the thing. Your reward is not what you have here on the earth. It's what you receive once you go home. That's when you get the rewards and stuff. And that's what you want. You want to be rewarded. You want God to remember you. You want God's favor on you. Because we're going to come back to this earth after the rapture, and we're going to rule and reign here on the earth. I know a lot of people talking about walking the street of gold and worshiping God up there and serving God down up there, and he said, we're coming down here. Stop believing everything you hear on the Bibles and stuff. You need to read it for yourself. Understand for yourself. The most important thing is get understanding. Get understanding. If you notice, signs and wonders walk, uh, goes with God's word. Signs and wonders. The more you read, the more you start walking in it, the more signs and wonders will come after you. You won't have to go after them. They'll come after you. Because as I say, every chapter we read so far has miracles about blind eyes open, deaf ears open, people that are lame walking and the lepers cleansed and stuff, the dead are raised. And let's let's read this one more chapter and then I'm going to get ready to let y'all go until next week. But the more you have in you of the word, the more the seed is being planted, the more miracles will happen in your word, in your life. It says the 11th chapter and the first verse. One, one, one. I like that. It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of his commanding of his 12 disciples, he departed, went, he departed to teach and to preach in their city. Remember I told you, Jesus came teaching, preaching, healing, and prophesying. Now, when John had been uh, now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said, Go and show John again these things which you do hear and see. It didn't say see and hear. It's hear and see. The blind receive their sight. 
the lame walk, the leopard are cleansed, the deaf hears, the dead are raised up, and the poor has the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. First of all, let's look at the last two things. The poor have the gospel preached. What is poor? People think about that's money. No. In the spiritual sense, it means understanding, lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. Now, we have a chance to hear the word because all the preachers are not preaching the same. All the preachers are not trying to teach you how to be free or how to fight the devil. All they want to know, are you paying your tithes? Are you coming here and are you giving what you're supposed to give to God, the time to work in this church and stuff? A lot of times God wants you out there working with the other people, helping the people that has no knowledge of God's word and be a witness to them. The poor has the gospel preached to them. And blessed is whoever shall not be offended in me. Jesus said, come, learn of me. I am meek and lowly. In other words, he said, I am humble. That means It doesn't mean meek is weak. Humble. You can be strong and be humble. You can have power under control, and people will know, well, he's, he's a real kind, gentle person, but I wouldn't mess with him. I wouldn't try to hurt him. But they know. They can feel it. They can sense it. This is called discerning a spirit, judging of what spirit is in the person what spirit is around that person, what spirit is operating in that family. All right? Then it says, and as they departed, the seventh verse, and as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning God, went you into the wilderness to see a reed shaken with the wind? But when you went out for to see a man clothed in soft raiment, and behold, they that wear soft raiment are in the king's house. But when they went out, but uh, the ninth verse, but what went you out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say you, that he's more than a prophet. For he is of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before my face, which shall prepare the way before thee. For verily I say unto you, among them that is not born of woman that has not risen as a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he is the least in the kingdom of heaven and greater than and uh, in heaven is greater than he. In other words, he was saying, now listen, here you go out to see this prophet. This prophet is a humble man. But if you notice, there was no miracles happening around him. I mean, he's good. He's, he's honest. He's not trying to steal from nobody. He rebuked those that are living wrong. He said, look, you, you, you shouldn't be with that woman. That's your brother's wife. He told the truth, but he got punished for telling the truth. See, that's the thing. Are you willing to die for the truth? And then Jesus said, even though he was the greatest of all the prophets now, he's still the least in the kingdom. Those that walk and do the miracles of God by letting the Spirit of God rescue and abide in them, they are, have a great uh, knowledge or upbringing that God's kingdom recognize them. These are super, above super, above even that, men and women of God. Then it says in the 
12th verse, it says, From the days of John the Baptist until the until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you receive it, this is Elijah, which was for the for what was to come. And he that have ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, Jesus is trying to tell you a secret. The kingdom of God, the angels are around you. The prophets that have died past time, their, their spirits still can come here. And they can enter anybody they want. It's like the devil can produce, can possess you. God's spirit can walk through you and flow through you. So a lot of times when you think you're talking to a man or a woman, you may be talking to God himself. You may be talking to uh, Elijah. You may be talking to one of the old prophets come back from the dead. Well, how do we know that? Because the Bible says it. When Jesus said, who do men think I am? And some said, Elijah. Some think you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. But he said, who do you think I am? And Peter got up and said, thou art the Christ. He didn't call him Jesus. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus turned to him. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but it came from my father, supernatural, spiritual, not natural, supernatural. Get into the spirit of things, understanding what the spirit world is like and how the spirit world is trying to operate into each and every one of the believers. Not everybody's life. But the believer who's willing to walk in this, this anointing, who's willing to believe that God's word works and that you will not be offended when somebody says, I don't believe that uh, God doing this. I think you're the devil. Don't worry about that. They're the ones that's got to be charged. And don't worry about, well, I don't believe in the Bible the way you believe it. Listen, there's only one way to believe in the Bible. Either it's right or wrong. It interprets itself or it doesn't interpret itself. Either it gives prophecy or it does not give prophecy. If it says that Elijah is still coming back and forth, and if you talk to the Jews, you'll see that every year they set a plate for Elijah to come back, looking for him to be here that year because they're still looking for the Messiah to come. But yet and still, Jesus says, you accept this, he was Elijah, and he's going to come back again. Now, let's keep on going. Uh, the 16th verse, it says, whoever should say, uh, like an, well, what should I say unto him, like an unto this generation? It's like unto children sitting at the market, calling unto their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you, you have not danced, we have mourned unto you, and you have not lament, you haven't cried. John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he has a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom justifies her own children. Now, Jesus is saying that everything's written in red. He said, Here John the Baptist kept the word. He did everything that was supposed to be done. He didn't drink because he was a Nazarite. He didn't do any drugs or anything else like that. But here comes Jesus. Jesus comes eating in other words, he enjoyed food. He loved, He went to wine, I mean, he went to uh, weddings and everything else. He went to uh, bar mitzvahs. He went to those things. God loves to celebrate. He wants to see us being happy. They said uh, Jesus even drank. 
because he turned water into wine. But you're not supposed to drink. The Bible says, "Be not filled, uh, be be not filled unto excess, but be filled with the Spirit." But see, if you don't understand what that is saying, you think that means alcohol. But it's talking about don't be so legalistic with the Word of God that you miss the understanding of God. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit, the understanding, gives it life. If you read your Bible, go back in the Old Testament, you'll find out if a person could not make it to the uh, celebration and stuff, they were supposed to sell what they have, buy something to make themselves happy, including strong drink. Now, I ain't telling you go out and drink. I ain't telling you go out and get no strong drink. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. There's some people that can eat and gain no weight. There's other people, all you do is look at the food and you gain weight. There's some people that can drink and they don't get drunk. There's other people, all they do is smell alcohol and they're drunk. Be it unto you what God has given you. Don't try to uh, put your belief on somebody else. Believe what the Word says. Believe that Jesus is the Word and that the Word has been made flesh and dwelt among us. And if we believe in it, we will find out that he is dwelling in us. And that's why we came over the scriptures. Greater is he than me, than he who's in the world. All we have to do is believe. Well, Dorothy, you still there? Yep, I'm still here. That was a good lesson. I liked that. Well, thank you. I, I'll be telling the Lord, if you don't tell me what to say, I ain't got nothing to say. <laughs> I can't teach nothing unless I live through it myself. I've seen people get healed, delivered from drugs. I've seen people that uh, that uh, that had different diseases being healed in weird ways. Like yesterday, I was, as I told you, I was up in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and this young man he came in. He, I call him my spiritual son. He had a stomach problem. I didn't know he had a stomach problem. And all of a sudden, I hit him in the stomach. And I knew not to hit him on the one side, but hit him on the left side. And I hit him in the left side. And all of a sudden, he raised up. He said, oh, man. He said, that's where I was having pain at. But he said, now the pain is gone. God instantly healed him. God don't need me. He don't need any of us. But he would love to use us so that we can feel more presence with him be closer to him. I've seen many a times where I did not know where the person was hurting, and all of a sudden the Lord had me to lay hands there. He didn't tell me, man, I want you to lay here, hands here because this is where this person is. He just all of a sudden just moved me to, to touch that person or do whatever God tells me to do, and all of a sudden I see the miracles, miracles upon miracles. And that's what we're supposed to walk in, the miracle realm. Well, I hope I, yes. I gave you Yeah, we're supposed to use our superpowers. Pardon? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Superpowers. Oh, boy. Uh, and uh, as I said, next week I'll teach a little bit more about the Hebrew alphabet and how much power it has in there because it has a message. It's Psalms 119, and it starts off with the first five, Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Dalit, Hey, and what that means, if you understand, each word, Hebrew word, has 10 different meanings or more. So let's say the first one, Aleph, which means the head. Beth means the house. So now we said the head of the house with two letters, and that's why we call it Abba. 
That's our word in the Bible, Abba, which means the head of the house. Then it says Gimel is the third letter, which means gives. And then the next letter is uh, knowledge. So the head of the house gives knowledge. And those are just four of the Hebrew letters. There's 22 of them, and he has a message. And you can have 22 times 22 different messages, but they'll be close to each other that you'll realize, God is talking to me. So each one of those Hebrew letters is talking to me. He's trying to get me to be like him. Jesus is the word. And it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So God is letting us know everything is created by the word and by the Hebrew letters. And when we learn those things and start walking in those things, we'll start seeing more of God in us. So I'm looking forward to see what the Lord's going to do next week. I mean, not next week, but the week after. <laughs> Me too. And I say, right now, I'm down. Right now, I'm down here in Florida. I got. I'll be with Bob Martin Ministries in in Tampa Bay. So anybody in Tampa Bay, uh, not Tampa Bay, but Lakeland, Florida, I'll be there this Thursday at 7 p.m. Come. The name of the church is Ignitus, off of US 98. Ignitus. Ignitus. They're in Lakeland. It's across the street from the only one store I've seen. Y'all have Walmart. So come to Wally World and you'll see the church right across there. And we start at 7 o'clock. You want to see signs, wonders, and miracles? This is the time. Come and prove that I'm not the man of God that I say. See if I'm false. Prove it. The Bible says there's many apostles that go out there but test them to see if they're really of God. See, if, I, if I'm telling the truth, I ain't got nothing to worry about. So until next week, next time, my friend, I'm, I bless you. I, I, I speak a blessing over you and all the audience and all those listening, that the Lord will bless you and keep you, let his face shine upon you, bring you peace, shalom, give you a tenfold blessing, and that God will bless the people going in, bless them coming out. They'll be the head and not the tail. And they will have miracles in their lives. And their eyes shall be open, and their ears shall be open. I use the word that Jesus used, Ephatha, Ephatha, Ephatha. Be open, be open. Arise, according to Isaiah, the 60th chapter. Arise, shine, for the Lord's light has came upon you. Receive it and walk in it. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, until next time, until next time, let's see, our time goes fast, doesn't it? It sure does. So, bless everyone. We'll see you next time. And it would be nice to have you listen live and call in, I'm just saying. But that's okay. I know Mm -hmm. people have lives, too, you know, so that's okay. (laughs) All right. So you have a blessed night. Get some rest. I know you've been working straight out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I will see you next time. All right. You have a blessed day, too. Good night.